Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Turkish Heritage Organization's podcast. We are speaking to people from all over the world about their expertise, their opinions, of course, their perspectives, and everything that is going on right now with the latest developments in light of COVID-19. Today, we have with us Birkin Sener, who is a consultant with the UNDP Istanbul Regional Hub. He's also the co-founder of Youth Deal Cooperative. Uh, we're very excited to have him on the show. And just a quick note, we want to make sure everyone realizes that um, these are his personal beliefs and perspectives and not representative of the UNDP as a whole. So Birkin, first, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me in the show. Absolutely. So we're going to just dive right in. Uh, really, how has COVID-19 impacted labor markets in the Western Balkans and Turkey? All right. Thanks, thanks for the good question. It's really timely and it really uh, reflects the acute uh, needs of uh, governments so far. Uh, let, me, let me address this question at three levels, policy level, institutional level, and individual micro level. At policy level, the Western Balkans um, arrived uh, this pandemic at a modestly improving sub-regional employment status quo. We had seen two percentage point decline in unemployment rate and a mild increase in employment rate uh, and uh, a mild progress uh, in the uh, employment outcomes uh, in Western Balkans labor market. When it comes to Turkey, Turkey's labor market encountered with the pandemic following two subsequent years of GDP growth slowdown. And uh, this economic slowdown, of course, uh, uh, left its mark in the labor market with uh, a two, almost three percentage point increase uh, in the unemployment rate uh, compared to the year before, which is the beginning of 2019. Uh, so we had seen more or less a stagnating labor force, uh, labor, labor market uh, performance in Turkey. So this was the baseline that the Western Balkan countries and Turkey encountered uh, the, the pandemic. So um, what we see uh, is basically at the, po at the policy level an additional, uh, a significant additional burden on public budget um, with the introduced uh, measures uh, to basically uh, stem the adverse impacts posed by the, by the pandemic. Uh, this manifest itself with increase in social protection measures, uh, increasing social transfers, uh, etc. Uh, however, uh, for, especially for Turkish case, we already uh, see a stringent uh, uh, public budget standing in terms of labor market and social protection. Um, direct transfers from central budget to social security institutions has increased more than three times in the last decade. Uh, reaching up to 100 billion Turkish lira in 2019. We, this is an indication that already uh, the social, social protection measures were being subsidized by the central budget. With the pandemic, we would see that uh, an additional burden uh, will, will have to be, uh, will have to be uh, dealt with uh, by, by the central budget and by the social security institution. So overall, at policy level, we saw uh, we saw an additional uh, burden economically. At institutional level, of course, no, not every uh, person or not every institution, not every sector was impacted equally. Uh, several sectors were uh, impacted more, such as retail traders, including shopping malls, iron, steel, and metal manufacturers, 
automotive manufacturers, retailers, transport, uh, entertainment sector, textile manufacturers, and event organizers, uh, to name a few. Of course, the sudden stop uh, has triggered compulsory unpaid leave of absence in many workplaces, which uh, can potentially lead to layoffs uh, in, uh, in the near future. And uh, this is also alarming uh, for both workplaces, employers, as well as, of course, employees who are working uh, or, or making their living off of their salaries. Uh, the sectoral uh, impact, of course, is very much related with trade restrictions, especially import-dependent manufacturers in the Western Balkans and Turkey stopped their operations because um, mainly uh, input materials coming from, uh, from China and uh, other Asian countries, uh, of course, uh, stopped after the pandemic. And um, while we see some actually uh, import substituting behavior in some workplaces, uh, we, it, we can hardly say that modest gains in production uh, in these domestic sub-manufacturer suppliers uh, can offset uh, the contraction in other import-dependent manufacturers. And considering the fact that Turkey is, uh, has a relatively low value added uh, in its uh, manufacturing sector, meaning that we first import and do some, do some manufacturing transactions and then sell it uh, abroad mainly to Western countries, including Europe and, and, and the U.S., uh, this is pretty much dependent on, on, on imports. So at institutional level, uh, the broad picture was uh, along those lines. At the individual level, of course, people lost their jobs. People, as, and not everyone, of course, was impacted equally uh, as well. Mm -hmm. We see seasonal agricultural workers who cannot move to the agricultural fields right now to harvest the crops. We see informal workers being disproportionately adversely affected. We see, of course, those, uh, work, those workers that were laid off right after the pandemic, despite uh, legal measures uh, stopping workplaces uh, and well, pushing them to reconsider their decisions through some social transfers. Uh, we, we see that even uh, these, these workers who were laid off also uh, disproportionately affected. Um, and um, we can say that uh, this reflects uh, the consequence of the years of deunionization of workers. Uh, they generally lost ability to negotiate, ability to uh, bargain on an equal footing with the, with the, with the um, employers. So uh, today, the scenery of workers in the formal sector even is uh, not promising because workers are not unionized, basically, mm -hmm. and uh, not to mention the informal informal uh, sector. Right. Well, you know, I think you hit hit the nail on the head in terms of things that are obviously impacting uh, the Western Balkans, Turkey. But you know, this is something that we're seeing a trend all over the world, unfortunately. And this is something that we're going to continue to watch and analyze as COVID shifts how we how we operate our day to day lives. Um, you know, how you mentioned, you know, discussing this unemployment and, and workers and, and the situation with employees, how are they coping with the crisis and um, what do you see right now as emerging alternatives? Exactly. I mean, this, this is a very relevant question. 
Well, uh, the situation for, for an average worker, for example, in Turkey is the following. The daily food security threshold for a family of four, meaning that, that they are able to feed themselves as a household of, or composed of four persons, is $11, $11 U.S. dollars daily. Uh, however, daily state payment for each worker in unpaid leave of absence this is a new social transfer that the state announced to mitigate the adverse impacts of pandemic. Is six dollars, six dollars. Oh wow! So basically, we, we so for a family of four with a single breadwinner, it is literally impossible to feed the family. So right. the, the general thing uh, for an average worker is is really uh, uh, alarming. So how do how do these people cope with the crisis? Of course, Turkey has a long tradition of solidarity, uh, like, like uh, Western Balkan uh, communities. We do have perhaps much better than uh, compared to other, other Western societies, uh, uh, a series of informal um, uh, protection uh, and uh, solidarity channels. These include through family ties, these include through other non-formal means that make up the community. And uh, of course, we have seen uh, a hike in solidarity moves. Uh, this can be basically uh, increase in uh, the, the, the zakat uh, movement, uh, those uh, especially with the religious communities, uh, and the fact that we are in uh, the holy we, or the month of Ramadan. Uh, these are really uh, timely um, occasions for solidarist uh, movement. Uh, however, we particularly saw the rise of social economy as well. Cooperatives and other social enterprises uh, are on the rise. Uh, why? Because they are human-centered enterprises and they do not prioritize uh, profit maximization uh, over human needs. So we have seen a sort of a mild realization within the society that uh, money doesn't mean, doesn't mean all. So that there are more important values, such as the human well-being, worker well-being, and why are we living this life? Because, because to, to, to sustain our lives and to be in, in contact with the uh, rest of the community. So I can say that social economy uh, uh, enterprises uh, have, been, uh, have gained some realization by the other segments of the society. Are you on the line? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I do now. Okay, perfect. Yes, I was just saying that, you know, I think it's it's so critical to be able to analyze these emerging alternatives and see, uh, you know, just how long this uh, quarantine or, or COVID-19 impacts the world is going to determine what emerges from this. So, uh, you know, the key point, of course, is addressing those concerns of the general public, just as you mentioned, you know, being able to care for families in times of need is something that people are really going to address. Uh, so I want to shift gears just a little bit um, and ask you if you could, if you wouldn't mind, share more about the work that you are doing with your cooperative. You founded this cooperative, uh, so tell us a little bit about what its core mission is of this organization. All right. 
Um, yeah, with pleasure. So our, we, together with my friends, we established our cooperatives back then in 2015 in Turkey. It was Turkey's first youth-led social cooperative. Uh, well, uh, we believed in a more equal, democratic, and sustainable economy. It, this, this triggered our, uh, our, our action uh, while establishing the cooperative. Today, we are working with underserved communities such as refugees, inactive women, unemployed youth, persons with disabilities, with long-term unemployed, with obsolete skills, etc. We are helping them create a new uh, cooperative enterprises based on their shared needs or improve the existing ones. Um, we are also active in cooperative development ecosystems. So we don't consider um, that a group of people comes together and establish a cooperative. It's not that easy. I mean, it's easier said than done. Uh, therefore, we are also working with uh, development ecosystems, including municipalities, international organizations, chambers of commerce, etc. And uh, we, we are currently, uh, we have some uh, international partners as well, including U.S. Federation of Worker Cooperatives and its affiliated institutions such as Sustainable Economies Law Center and Democracy at Work Institute. Um, not to mention other international uh, cooperative alliance youth network and young European cooperators network. So these international networks uh, help us transfer the knowledge and practice of social cooperatives and worker cooperatives uh, to Turkey. And we are working with, uh, with as I mentioned, underserved communities uh, to expand cooperative entrepreneurship for those in need. That's fantastic. And something that I think is so critical today is to, of course, address those needs of the underserved communities, especially with refugees, women, uh, you know, young, young people, of course, as well. So I commend you on the work that you all are doing, uh, especially right now. Um, I also wanted to ask you, you know, one last question. What are we to expect, or at least from your perspective, um, from this new normal that we are experiencing in terms of sustainable economies? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I can mention some positive aspects and negative aspects from our uh, shaping our expectations sure. of the new normal. I can, I can say that uh, we realize uh, the need for socially and environmentally responsible enterprises. Uh, the real sector, the financial sector, uh, do not operate in silos, do not operate uh, uh, independent from other realities, such as public health, such as, um, well, uh, society's well-being, such as the climate itself. These uh, already known facts maybe uh, came, into the, came, into, came to the fore uh, for us to reconsider the, the orthodoxies of basically free market capitalism. Uh, and this is, a, this is a need I can mention. The second need was need for human-centered enterprises beyond transactional wage-work relationships with the employers. Basically, I'm talking about democratic workplaces. It is if I'm sure that for, for the workers that are laid off recently would prefer to have a say in the management bodies of these workplaces. Uh, since uh, basically the, the surplus being created in a workplace uh, is a result 
of the of course the capital and labor owners um, I, I would argue that uh, democratic workplaces involving both labor and capital uh, and, and entrepreneurs uh, would make much more sense in the new normal uh, another one can be uh, acute need for livelihoods whatever we're talking about cannot be more important than the bread on the table. So whatever policies, whatever mechanisms you're offering, I mean, there is, an, a, there is a, a crucial need to provide everyone, especially those in need, with the bread on the table in the dinner. Unless you do that, it would, be, it would, be, it would lose its relevance. So th there is this alarming need uh, for those who are left behind. And, um, and let me, uh, by, by concluding, let me mention for us in, in, in Turkey, in Western Balkans, and in other countries, for, for the grassroots organizations to make a stronger pitch at national level, for national policymakers and, for national policymakers and local policymakers, international partnerships are crucial. That is why, let me thank uh, here with uh, Turkish Heritage Organization for helping us raise our voice and for other international uh, uh, dialogue organizations uh, to help grassroots organizations uh, establish partnerships and make a stronger pitch for national and local policymakers. Uh, I think solidarity itself is not uh, enough to transform the societies. Uh, we need to tackle the root causes of what brought us here. So therefore, uh, besides solidarity, solidarity, we should learn how to work together and to transform things uh, rather than uh, lending credibility of the system that brought us here with all its defects. Absolutely. That is so true. I mean, solidarity is a, a critical component, but we need more, certainly, and we will continue to be uh, hopefully sharing voices like yours to uh, raise awareness. So I want to commend you once again. Thank you so much for your, your hard work. Um, really appreciate you coming on the show. want to let everyone know that they can visit the Turkish Heritage Organization's website, www.turkheritage.org, to see more podcasts, webinars, and our upcoming events. And of course, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date with the latest news with THO and the international response to COVID-19. Thanks so much for joining us.